0: The reality is, is it's a witch hunt because it, it, it makes no sense. I'm going to fight my battle. I'm going to deliver. I'm going to fight the witch hunt. I'm going to take care of clearing my name and I look forward to doing that. Yes, we look forward to it too, George. Well,
1: I don't know why I came here tonight. Oh, I man. got a feeling something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in <laughs> case I fall off my chair. And I'm how I'll get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me Jokers to the right Here I am stuck in the middle with
0: you Yep From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA And also a whole bunch of other affiliates that I don't have time to tell you about Because we've got that much news I hope to pack into today's Bradcast. Blanketing planet Earth, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Coming up, some breaking news, some exclusive news that you will not have heard anywhere else, at least not yet. But I suspect, or at least hope, that you will hear about it soon from some of the corporate mainstream media outlets out there but we've got the scoop on it today and it regards our old friends in the great state of georgia desi doyan oh
2: yay! going back to georgia
0: and some new mind-blowing concerns about (laughs) their terrible Touchscreen voting system ahead of the 2024 presidential race in the critical battleground state.
2: This is a story you've been following for a really long time, and I'm glad that it's uh, you're continuing to follow it.
0: Well, you may be glad I'm exhausted, (laughs) but in any event, the uh, Coalition for Good Governance's Marilyn Marks will join us momentarily to help. Uh, with this uh, new news that uh, has just been revealed in her group's lawsuit to replace the state's 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems once and for all with hand-marked paper ballots. But first today, inflation eased for the 10th straight month in a row, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, edging down to an annual rate of now 4.9% uh it's lowest level in 2 years and slightly better than economists expected helpfully for republicans that arguably good news for democrats in the economy was quickly buried on wednesday but unhelpfully for them it was buried by still more news of a wildly corrupt politician from queens new york no it wasn't donald trump today <laughs> Just a wannabe Donald Trump who, to be fair, is now facing a criminal felony indictment just like his hero Donald. Let me start here. Bill Christensen Christensen told the uh, New York Times that he drove down from Washington, D.C. so that he could hold up a sign when George Santos arrived at the federal courthouse in Islip, New York, for his arrest and arraignment on Wednesday. Christensen's sign said lies in great big block letters. The 69-year-old Christensen said he had demonstrated at the arrests of several Trumpers.
2: Yes, he's the guy that's always in the background. Holding up a
0: big sign over their head when they're trying to... and they go in
2: and out of the courthouse.
0: Right, (laughs) but uh, he said that the challenge with Santos was that the news of his impending arrest broke so late the night before, he did not have time to make a new sign, so instead he had to recycle one, that he used for Steve Bannon's arrest. And it still worked. It still worked. Great big le- uh, letters, lies. Christensen described it as the best of several options. He said, I have a sign that says just delayed is justice denied, but this isn't that delayed, he said. I like this guy, Christensen. <laughs> uh, such are the woes of trying to keep up with the felony crime wave by Republicans and the ongoing attempt at accountability for the ballooning crimes being carried out by them uh, during the Trump era. U.S. Congressman George Santos, the New York Republican infamous for fabricating pretty much every single element of his life story, from his work history to his school history, family history, criminal history, pleaded, Not guilty on Wednesday to charges that he duped donors, stole from his campaign, and lied to Congress about being a millionaire. All, as we have now learned, while lying to unlawfully collect unemployment benefits he didn't deserve... Didn't deserve as he was actually gainfully employed at the very same time he was receiving them. After his arraignment on a 13 count federal indictment, Santos insisted he would not drop his reelection bid defying calls even by fellow Republicans in New York to resign. It was, as AP tells it this afternoon, a reckoning for a web of fraud and deceit that prosecutors say overlapped with his fantastical public image as a wealthy businessman. A fictional biography that began to unravel just after he won election last fall, though it should be noted A local news outlet, the North Shore leader in Long Island, had tried to let the world know about this guy, tried to let the world know about the inconsistencies in Santos's wholly fabricated resume before the midterms last year. But both uh, major media outlets like The New York Times and Democrats sadly failed to pick up on that reporting until after it was all too late and Santos had already won the election. It was, in fact, Santos's one vote in the U.S. House upon taking office that allowed Kevin McCarthy to become House Speaker at the beginning of uh, this year. And it was his vote that allowed McCarthy to pass that debt ceiling bill to raise the nation's borrowing limit. But only after hundreds of billions of dollars are cut from, you know, feeding the hungry, from uh, veterans, veterans care, health care for millions, hundreds of billions of dollars in imperative initiatives to take on our climate crisis. Santos was released on half a million dollar bond uh, following his arraignment about five hours after turning himself in to authorities on Long Island on Wednesday to face charges of wire fraud, money laundering, theft of public funds and making false statements to Congress. He could face up to 20 years in prison if convicted. Quote, this is the beginning of the ability for me to address and defend myself, Santos told reporters afterwards. So great news for you, George. Congratulations are apparently in order. Uh, he vowed to clear his name and called his prosecution a quote, witch hunt. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> The prosecutor said the charges resulted from, quote, fraudulent schemes and brazen misrepresentations, unquote, designed to mislead donors, enrich Santos and win a seat in Congress as a Republican from Queens. The bulk of the charges relate to what prosecutors said was a 2022 scheme in which Santos solicited at least $50,000 in donations from political donors for a fake super PAC. He then pocketed that money for personal expenses, including luxury goods and designer clothing. Prosecutors accused Santos of committing five counts of wire fraud when the candidate and an unnamed political consultant told potential donors in email and via text messages that their contributions would exclusively support the Republican campaign and pay for his TV ads. Those were lies. George uh, instead pocketed the cash given to uh, an account that was not a legal super PAC at all, transferred it to his own personal account. He used it to help pay off debts and purchase goods for himself, according to prosecutors. Santos was also charged with three counts of money laundering in connection to the donor solicitation scheme. Two more counts of wire fraud and one count of stealing public money in connection with uh, the scheme to obtain $24,000 in unemployment benefits from New York at a time that he was earning $120,000 a year through his employment at a Florida-based investment company. Prosecutors further charged Mr. Santos with two counts of making false statements to the House of Representatives on personal financial disclosure reports, overstating his income during his first failed run for office in 2020 while failing to report his investment firm's salary. And then during his second run, the one that was successful last year, he claimed he had earned millions of dollars that, in fact, he hadn't from an apparently non-existent family real estate empire. Sound familiar again? Uh, So uh, despite this news, uh, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has made no move to penalize uh, George Santos or ask him to resign. He said, uh, quote, I'll look at the charges. If a person is indicted, they're not on uh, committees. And uh, Santos is already on no committees. Uh, McCarthy said they have the right to vote, but they have to go to trial. Well, he'll go to trial, but uh, he'll still continue to vote. And Kevin McCarthy very much needs that vote. Now, to be fair, he didn't just make up this rule for, uh, for Santos. We know that this is how Republicans have been operating for a while because there has been a virtual crime wave in Congress by Republicans. For example... Congressman Duncan Hunter, Republican of California, he was indicted in 2018 for stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars in campaign funds. He did not resign until 2020 after pleading guilty in that case. Congressman Chris Collins, another Republican from New York, he was indicted in 2018 as well. He resigned before pleading guilty to committing insider trading and then lying to the FBI in an attempt to cover it up. But it was some time after he was charged before he finally resigned. Congressman Jeff Fortenberry, Republican of Nebraska, was indicted in 2021 for felony charges. Uh, related to lying to federal authorities who were investigating illegal contributions, he continued to serve until the following year when he was convicted, at which point he resigned. Uh, that is, of course, just the latest in the Republican crime wave in Congress, at least until George Santos' um, arraignment on, uh, on Wednesday on 13 federal criminal charges. No doubt we will have more on Santos in the days ahead as we all look forward to hearing him clear his good name as he as he promises. By the way, whatever that name actually is. (laughs) But as that's being uh, covered elsewhere today, uh, as everyone else zigs, as usual, we will zag with some exclusive breaking news out of Georgia today. As Marilyn Marks joins us with some mind blowing news, at least to me, out of the Peach State that's straight ahead, along with the Green News Report today, all on today's broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Huh? Where my memories the southern ways of my for yesterday. Yeah, we are going, going to back to Georgia, even though it, it may seem to close listeners of the show that we've never actually left Georgia, as we have been closely covering election concerns about the critical battleground state long before, many years, in fact, before the rest of the nation began to realize that they also should maybe be concerned about what the hell is going on in Georgia. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. If you are one of those close listeners to this program, you know that we've been spending quite a bit of time over the past year or so alone just helping to expose the shocking breach of Exceedingly sensitive voting system software breach and a copy of that software. Software made by Dominion Voting in Coffee County, Georgia, the day after the January 6, 2021, Donald Trump incited insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. Our friend and frequent guest over the years, Marilyn Marks of the good government group Coalition for Good Governance, first discovered that software breach when one of the participants actually called her on the phone to essentially brag about it, thinking that Marks was a fellow traveler given her long, uh, long filed lawsuit filed years before the GOP's so-called Stop the Steal campaign was even a glint in Donald Trump's eye. She filed that lawsuit years ago seeking to replace the state's 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems with verifiable hand marked paper ballot systems. The Coffee County software breach by the MAGA folks, we would eventually learn, was overseen by Trump attorney Sidney Powell. And it was carried out in Georgia with the help of Republican insiders at the Coffee County Board of Elections and in the state uh, Republican Party, including by its former chair, a woman by the name of Kathy Latham, who was also one of the fake electors in 2020, who is now facing likely criminal charges in the broad conspiracy probe being carried out against Trump and friends by Fulton County Georgia District Attorney Fonnie Willis. Just a week or so ago, we learned and discussed on this program the fact that the multi-state scheme to steal, essentially steal voting systems software by breaching these systems after the 2020 election in states like Georgia and Michigan, Colorado, Pennsylvania and elsewhere was actually a scheme hatched during a White House meeting with Donald Trump in the Oval Office on December 18th. 2020. The meeting was attended by Powell and Rudy Giuliani and former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and others. And that, as far as good government groups like Free Speech for People have been able to discover while each of the incidents in all of these various states seems to be uh, seem to be under investigation at the state and local level so far special counsel jack smith has yet to look into this broad multi-state federal conspiracy for still unknown reasons but we're working on that as that part of this remarkable tale continues to play out so does that original lawsuit That was filed against Georgia's insecure, unverifiable voting systems. The original lawsuit known as Curling v. Brad Raffensperger, he's the Georgia Republican Secretary of State, in which Marilyn Marx's Coalition for Good Governance is a key plaintiff, that original suit began, as I said, years ago in federal court. In 2019, that lawsuit was successful in winning a ruling from U.S. District Court Judge Amy Totenberg, who banned the state's 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems made by Diebold and used for like 20 years before that across the entire state. And the judge had ruled them to be unverifiable and insecure and thus unconstitutional for use in Georgia's elections. But rather than replace those 20-year-old Diebold systems with hand-marked paper ballots, Secretary of State Brad Raffensberger, in defiance of many of the nation's top cybersecurity and voting systems experts, replaced those old systems with all new unverifiable touchscreen voting systems made by Dominion Voting, forcing every jurisdiction in the state to now force voters at the polling place to vote on these expensive, unverifiable systems, which plaintiffs had warned warned about before Raffensburger forced the state to needlessly spend about $150 million on this, uh, on this system to place about 35,000 of these big, bulky voting machines in every precinct across the state. As that federal lawsuit continued then against those new Dominion systems, an expert for the curling plaintiffs, a cybersecurity and voting system expert and white hat hacker, if you will, Dr. Alex Halderman of the University of Michigan, he was allowed to study the new Dominion systems and found vulnerabilities in them that were so disturbing, the uh, judge in the case, Judge Totenberg, actually sealed his report, disallowing even the plaintiffs like Marilyn Marks, to view the full report. The Federal Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, known as CISA, well, they were eventually allowed to review the report and made a list of immediate recommendations for an attempt to secure these voting systems if they were going to continue to be used across Georgia. A state which you may have noticed has been key in a number of recent elections, including the 2020 presidential election and, yes, several U.S. Senate races as well. It will be key once again in next year's presidential race after Joe Biden had defeated Donald Trump there in 2020 by just over 11,000 votes in the last election. And that is where we pick up the story today with... What I believe is an exclusive and troubling report out of the federal courtroom in that case last week. This is the first you will likely hear of it, though I suspect a number of corporate media outlets may be picking this up in the next few days. At least I hope they do. Allow me to read just a a few passages from the beginning of the transcript from last week's court hearing in the federal curling case in Atlanta, because frankly, when I first saw this, it kind of blew my head off. So the judge, the court says, "Okay, has the secretary of state's office implemented CISA's recommendations as to the adjustments in the Dominion ballot marking device BMD system? Brian Tyson, an attorney for the state of Georgia defendants, says the Dominion software itself was approved by the EAC, that's the Federal Elections Assistance Commission, Uh, And this software he's referring to is the upgrades that were recommended by CISA. So uh, that was approved by the ESEAC in late March, about six weeks ago, a new version of its software that addressed the various software components of the CISA recommendations. We have spent hours with the technical staff in the Secretary of State's office, hearing from folks with Dominion, the way that that process, a couple of Uh, Pieces about that upgrade for the court to be aware, says the attorney. One is no jurisdiction has yet installed that upgrade as of yet. It has not been used in any election yet, Brian Tyson says. Unlike the changes that had to be made in late 2020, right before the election, the upgrade process here is a very intensive, multi-step process that involves multiple pieces of media, multiple components, and it involves touching every piece of of the election system he goes on to say every ballot marking device has to have three different pieces of media installed on it To complete the upgrade, every precinct scanner has to be upgraded, every central count scanner has to be upgraded and every election management server has to either be replaced or upgraded. So the implementation process for doing that is very involved, the attorney said. Also, he added, once a county begins the process, they cannot go back. So once you complete upgrading part of your equipment, he said, there is then now no ability for that system to talk to the system that was used before. In other words, they have to upgrade everything once they start upgrading anything. So, he says, as of now, that's all in development. But at this point, there is not a timeline. Given the scope of what is necessary, they don't anticipate that being completed this year. It likely will be a 2025 type of upgrade, given all that is involved in the election schedule In 2024, the judge responds to say, I just want to make sure I understand what you are telling me is that in order to implement those recommendations, there needed to be a wholesale upgrade in the entire system, Mr. Tyson says. So, yes, Your Honor. And there is more, much more. It's a 192 page transcript, but. More on the fact that these changes and others recommended by Dr. Alex Halderman in his report, which was so disturbing that the court sealed it, even from the plaintiffs themselves, and so troubling that based on the vulnerabilities discovered by Halderman, the Federal Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency CISA, which oversees the nation's critical infrastructure systems, they recommended a lengthy list of immediate security upgrades to those voting systems that the state secretary of state Brad Raffensberger forces every single precinct in every single county in the state to use. But now the state has informed the court, sure, yeah, we'll we'll make the upgrades, but We need to run another presidential election on those old vulnerable systems first because it is just too big of a task to upgrade some thirty five thousand machines before next year when presidential primary elections in the peach state begin in, I believe, March now. Would they have had this problem upgrading a handmarked paper ballot system of the type that folks like Marilyn Marks have been begging the state to move to for years? Well, joining us now with some answers to that question and many others is Marilyn Marks, longtime expert advocate for free and fair elections as the head troublemaker and muckraker and executive director of the nonpartisan nonprofit coalition for good governance. Marilyn Marks, welcome back once again to the Bradcast.
1: Well, thank you so much, Brad, for asking me back. It's always so much fun. And One of the best parts of the fun in talking with you is you know your stuff. (laughs) I I hope you will pick up many more listeners in Georgia because you know your stuff. Thank you for that.
0: Have I adequately explained this situation? What seems to me, at least, uh, to be both new news here and, frankly, extraordinarily troubling news out of the state of Georgia in your curling suit in advance of the election next year?
1: You, You have, and no one else has reported this. It's amazing that you know here the state, and as you pointed out, a state that is crucial mm-hmm. in a crucial swing state in 2024. They're telling the court that, uh yeah, these, the, the, yeah, the, the federal government and this expert says that we have all of these vulnerabilities in the system, but you know what? We just can't get around to it. No one has picked up on this yet, and hopefully they will be hearing you and following your lead. Britt, I I, I would say one thing that I would add to your overview Mm
2: -hmm.
1: is that this is not a big problem to solve. As you well know, all we need to do is take those touchscreen machines, Mm -hmm. put them in the closet, (laughs) and use the hand-marked paper ballots along with the scanners and servers Mm -hmm. that are already in place, already programmed, to read hand-marked paper ballots, and then do audits. We are not asking for hand-counting, mm-hmm. as a lot of people, maybe some, a lot of the MAGA folks are. Mm-hmm. That is not us. That is not what we're asking for. It is a simple... Mm-hmm. Saving money solution. They will spend less money and have a secure election. Now, but they're too married to this.
0: Well, w- wouldn't this be? Uh, wouldn't it also be the case that you know had had Secretary Raffensperger taken your recommendations, gone to hand counted paper ballots, hand marked, hand marked. Uh, I'm paper. sorry, thank you, hand marked paper ballots. You know, when they were ordered by this very same judge to dump the old touchscreen systems back in 2019, had they moved to hand marked paper ballots instead? If a security problem like this had been discovered in the software, as it was here, uh, wouldn't that also be uh, still difficult to pull off across the entire state?
1: Well, even if somebody could pull it off at the time of the voting, yes, all, all the scanners certainly can, any system can mm-hmm. be hacked. But with hand-marked ballots, marked you know, with mm-hmm. ink by the voter, if you do an adequate audit, and the the wrong winner has been declared, you will be able to correct
0: it. But I think what I'm asking is specifically, you know, so the, the touchscreen systems that they use in Georgia now, you basically have to use, a, each voter has to use their own computer, which prints out their selections on uh, the ballot. Theoretically, mm-hmm. it prints them correctly, so it needs a printer as That's well in, for each system. The theory, yes. Right, and then they take that paper ballot and they put it through a computer scanner, and then later on, that uh, the numbers from that scanner are all counted up at the central tabulator back at the uh, back at the county. So, had there been a security problem with the scanners. We would still, uh, that, that required a change, wouldn't you still have to change those systems across the entire state?
1: You would have to change them across the entire state. However, it wouldn't be as urgent, wouldn't be as critical. Because, again, so long as you have a hand-marked paper ballot, you have got a way to go back and get the accurate answer. And yeah. an inaccurate answer will be detected in an audit. So, um yes, certainly um you would it would be appropriate to upgrade the software, but you're not going to have the wrong winner declared even if you have uh, outdated software if you're using a handmark ballot. The problem here is that those touch screens mm-hmm. are the big piece of the vulnerability as Dr. Halderman found back in 2021. And um, as you say, Department of Homeland Security's CISA subsidiary mm-hmm. validated his findings in June 2022. Well, and so what we're talking about is a Secretary of State sitting on this information for four years before they implement it.
0: Four years. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't the task of upgrading made That much more difficult, uh, time consuming, expensive and everything else, because uh, you've got to upgrade not just uh, one scanner at each precinct, but 35,000 actual voting machines total because each uh, precinct in Georgia may have 10, 20, you know, several dozen voting machines. If I'm understanding the lawyer, uh, the state lawyer, he's saying that each one of those machines in every single precinct, could be dozens of machines, have to be upgraded by themselves, uh, each one about three different times.
1: Exactly right. So you've got the 35,000 screens plus <laughs> the printers that go with them. Uh-huh. So you're you're handling probably close to 75,000 computers that you were having to Upgrade and then test and put back into service, all unnecessarily remember what they are. Yeah. They are electronic ballot marking devices. Uh huh. A Sharpie pen would work
0: much better. Right. It wouldn't take quite as long or be quite as expensive <laughs> to upgrade to replace about thirty five thousand ballpoint pens. Uh w- <laughs> right. Was was this supposed to be done before the twenty twenty four race?
1: Well, um, this is a problem with the way that the states have so much authority and there are no federal requirements. There mm-hmm. is no supposed to date. You know, they could just never do it if they, if they chose mm-hmm. that. Now, certainly what we are hoping is that um, in our court case that Judge Totenberg will go right to the solution that we, prom- that we have been asking for all along, and that's say like, get rid of the darn touchscreens mm-hmm. except for use voters who do need them for accessibility purposes. Mm -hmm. Go to hand-marked paper ballots and make sure you've audited them, and that way you will not have a wrong outcome.
0: Now you, um, you you were in the courtroom last week in Atlanta, I, I believe, when when this matter came up right at the top of the hearing, uh, and it sort of didn't even seem like it was scheduled. It was sort of thrown, it dropped in there uh, like a turd in the punch bowl by the uh, <laughs> by the attorney for the state. It is not entirely clear from the transcript how the judge reacted to that news. That she knows how serious these uh, uh, vulnerabilities are and the recommendations made by CISA. It's not entirely clear how she reacted. Uh, there are some hints in the transcript. Are you able to characterize in any way how this moment, uh, which seems to have caught everyone off guard, played out in the courtroom?
1: Well, um, you know, she um, she's not going to show her reaction, but I will. I will say that the rest of us did. The yeah. rest of us were looking at each other like, "Did we hear that right? Did I miss something?" And I mean, you could hear some gasp in the courtroom yeah. of 2025. I mean, immediately everybody thought presidential election georgia swing state we have no way we will have no way of knowing who won and not just that brad let's don't forget how much of a tinderbox georgia was after the 2020 election Mm -hmm. and i believe it was a key part of the tinderbox that led to the insurrection
0: yep Uh, and
1: we're asking for it again
0: Yeah, and I've got some questions on on that as well. Uh, I want to hit just a few more thoughts here. on, On this point, isn't this situation alone arguably a reason why... Never mind how secure they are or aren't, but the difficulty in upgrading, you know, thirty-five, seventy-five thousand 75,000 pieces of hardware, essentially, isn't this situation alone arguably a reason why touchscreen voting systems like this should never be forced on every voter in a precinct and instead you know, use them only as the Federal Help America Vote Act mandates sort of as an assistive device for right. disabled voters who may need one uh, to vote independently, but then in that case it's only one per voting place that is that is required. I mean, it seems like what has been revealed alone should be disqualifying for uh, voting systems like this.
1: It certainly does, because as a practical matter, our local governments mm-hmm. and state governments don't have unlimited funds. Mm-hmm. One of the things that no one has talked about, uh, Brad, is that it, it seems infeasible that the state will ever get around to making this change. I cannot imagine the General Assembly allocating the tens of millions of dollars it is going to take in 2025. To make this upgrade. Well,
0: that's what I, I wanted mean, to add. Do we have a number of, it was about $150 million to purchase this system. How much, it, and this was just for 2020, so just a couple of years ago, how much is it now going to cost to do this upgrade of every machine in the state?
1: We don't have an answer to that. There are reporters I know trying to get an answer to that, but the rumblings are, are tens of millions. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, <laughs> yeah. a lot. You know, yeah. I, I don't think that fifty million and upwards of that is going to surprise wow. anyone. Wow! Wow! So, you know, I, <laughs> this year, this past year, the General Assembly cut back a four and a half million dollar budget that the secretary had asked for to upgrade the stand, the backup batteries. Uh-huh. And this, and we're not even beginning to talk about all of the warranty cost and maintenance cost and printer cost and all that this system involves when we're talking about just being a substitute for ballpoint pens.
0: so it seems amazing to me that they spent 150 million on this on these uh, systems and now it just two years or two or three years later it's going to cost tens of millions to replace them even when uh, the the state legislature there uh, dominated by Republicans refused. About $4 million in a requested upgrade by the Republican Secretary of State. I have a feeling that may be another reason why they're pushing down this uh, upgrade down the road to 2025. Um, Marilyn, it seems like this case has been going on in one form or another forever. Uh, and yes. in, in some respects, I guess it has been um, because you had to challenge the previous systems that, Correct. that brought on these new terrible ones to replace them. Is there any chance that we'll get a ruling, hopefully, finally, in this case, and a move maybe to handmark paper ballots in Georgia at this point before next year's critical presidential race?
1: We would certainly like for that to happen, Brad, and we want to get to trial just as fast as we can. And, um, of course, the judge is reviewing the motion for summary judgment right now, but we will certainly be urging her to get us scheduled for trial this year so that a change can be made to hand-marked paper ballots. Um, we are also, um, outside of the litigation, right now petitioning the state election board, mm-hmm. uh, along with various other organizations. Mm-hmm. We are leading the charge, but uh, petitioning the state election board to go ahead and go to emergency paper balloting, which is the same thing, mm-hmm. a hand-marked paper ballot, because of the understanding that the Coffee County breach that affects all the entire state mm-hmm. is just too dangerous to let it go unmitigated mm-hmm. as we look at 2024.
0: Boy, I hope the judge understands that and uh, finally moves uh, on this one uh, as she did in 2019. But boy, what a mess. I wish they had listened to you many years ago, Marilyn. Uh, very and you, Brad. Well, and you. <laughs> very, very quickly. um uh, a couple of other points I want to hit before I let you go. Uh, for various reasons I know you have been following Fannie Willis's probe of the broad Trump conspiracy, uh, the attempt to steal the 2020 election in Georgia. We recently learned uh, I believe it was that at least eight of the so-called fake electors in Georgia in 2020 had recently been granted immunity to testify against some of the others. Uh, one who has not reportedly received immunity is Kathy Latham. Uh, I mentioned her in my intro she was a former state gop chair she was instrumental in facilitating the coffee county software breach um, by sydney powell and the maga folks and then she apparently lied about her involvement in that affair she said she was there for five minutes that day she was actually <laughs> turns out security surveillance video that you obtained in your case found that she was there for hours another one of the uh Electors who has not been granted immunity is David Schaefer, the current head of the GOP. Um, it, but there's also a guy named Sean Still, who was, uh, I think, the secretary for the fake electors. He also didn't receive immunity, um, but he also has ties to the Coffee County matter. Uh, w- what do we know about him, and why may he be of specific concern in Willis's case?
1: Yes, I hope that there will be some reporting on this. Um, it is a fascinating story yet to be yet to be reported and all the facts dug out. Mm-hmm. He's he lives in Fulton County, a long way from mm-hmm. Coffee County. Fulton mm-hmm. of course is Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He is a now a state senator and a quote alternate elector mm-hmm. as you pointed out. It turns out that at the urging of David Schaefer, who you mentioned, another fake elector, head of the GOP, mm-hmm. and a partner in the law firm of Hallbooth Smith, Brad Carver, a fake elector, mm-hmm. this fellow Sean Still filed a lawsuit against the Coffee County Board of Election and Brad Raffensberger mm-hmm. in Fulton County Court, and as some of us would call it, it seems to be a sham lawsuit. It was done in order to overturn the entire state's election in December 2020. Uh-huh. And so it turns out that according to Sean Still's January sixth testimony, in the January sixth
0: committee, the House committee testimony. Okay. Sorry, right? Yes,
1: the January sixth committee testimony where right. Sean Still was subpoenaed. He says, "I don't know anything about Coffee County except Brad Carver asked me, along with Alex Kaufman, ask me to to sue Coffee County." I said, "Sure, put my name on the lawsuit." He was being advised by um, David Schaefer's uh, attorney, mm-hmm. the, I say the attorney for the Georgia GOP, along with Brad Carver, suing Brad Carver's own client, the, the, the uh, Coffee County Board of Elections, so in Brad- a lawsuit that they weren't told about.
0: So Brad Carver... Was serving or his law firm was serving uh, to represent Coffee County was their uh, county attorneys essentially. Yes. And yes. Brad Carver tells this guy, Sean still, hey, sue my county. Here's sue my client. Sue my client. Here's what you need to know. And my client is Coffee County. Did Coffee County know about this? know about their own attorney telling someone to sue them? They did not.
1: They said in their deposition. They never heard about it until we showed up. You know, a couple years later. Wow! Um, showing them that they had been sued. They claimed wow. that the Holcomb Smith attorney never told them that they had been sued. And um, the the complaint is eighty three pages long. Sean Steele swears under oath that he is a duly appointed elector. Of course, he was not. Uh-huh. And he tells the judge that he must have this information from Coffee County. So that he can make his uh, rightful decision on december the 14th uh-huh. in the room where the fake electors were meeting it is a sordid myth.
0: wow hasn't
1: been reported yet but so here we have the three people who are rumored not to have immunity all having very close ties to the coffee county slash statewide breach
0: yeah i suspect funny willis hopefully is looking into that because you got brad carver the attorney for essentially for coffee county telling them what to say in a lawsuit that he will be essentially the defendant in. It's sh- s- startling. I'm sure Fonnie Willis, I hope Fonnie Willis is on that. Uh, but boy, between uh, Brad Carver and Brad do <laughs> And don't, Brad Friedman. Yeah, we don't call it the Bradcast <laughs> for nothing. Before I let you go, Marilyn Marks, uh, by full way by way of full disclosure here, I must note that The Coalition for Good Governance also has another lawsuit in Georgia challenging the state's new voter suppression law called SB 202 in Georgia. Most folks may remember that law that uh, bars giving food and water to people waiting in line to vote. But it also does a bunch of other things, which your lawsuit challenges, including placing restrictions on the media and what and how we are allowed to report on Georgia elections Which is why I have agreed, we've talked about it on the show before, I've agreed to be a named plaintiff in that case, representing media, and I believe that I will be deposed in that case in about a week or two. I'm looking forward to that. Um, (laughs) What is the status of that case, and do you expect that that one, at least, will be heard one way or another prior to the 2024 presidential elections and the the March primaries uh, next year uh, in Georgia?
1: Yes. It well, it has heated up recently. It had been kind of resting for a while, and we needed that rest mm-hmm. for our curling case. But it has heated up, and yes, it looks like it, it will be on track to be tried uh, later this year. Discovery will be yeah. wrapped up this summer. And thank you for your willingness to speak on behalf of the media. The media has already run into problems in the 2022 election mm-hmm. Being unable to take pictures of things that they've taken pictures of for years. And as as you recall, you know, um, media people as well as the average citizen are not permitted to speak to each other if they see an error being made in the mail ballot handling. Which, it is ridiculous.
0: Yeah. It, it's mind-boggling, blo- mind which is why I'm frankly honored to be a, uh, a, a plaintiff there in that case. And I really am looking forward to that uh, deposition and hopefully getting something done in this uh, case. I think that aspect of your case was actually the one that was acted on before 2022, that there was a, a stay put on that element uh, in 2022. There was,
1: but what has happened, though, is yeah. that the counties defied it, Mm -hmm. apparently with the secretary's blessing and said we just don't agree with the judge therefore we are going to ban you from photographing any Mm. ballots etc it turns out that as you may remember in Mm -hmm. DeKalb county there was a problem that the qr code did not match the human readable text the the Mm -hmm. um the election was wrongly tabulated and if ajc uh, atlanta journal constitution who was there on site had not been blocked from taking pictures of the ballots we would have found out the answer days and days prior to them finally learning the answer. But they were blocked purposely from taking pictures of the ballots. And I think it was because the secretary didn't want us sending those QR codes off to Alex Halderman and him saying, mm. no, they don't match.
0: Mm. Fight on, Marilyn Marks. I'm happy to help any way that I can. And I hope you Thank will. You, cons- I hope our listeners will also consider out uh, consider helping you guys out. This is all expensive stuff. Uh, Coalition for good dot org doing among the most important uh, work on uh, voting systems and, and election integrity. And transparency and oversight in the country. Coalitionforgoodgovernance.org. You can follow Marilyn Marks, uh, their executive director, on Twitter. I hope you do. She is Marilyn R. Marks, the number one. Marilyn R. Marks one. And of course, the coalition is also on Twitter. Coalition Good Gov. That's G V. Coalition Good Gov. Marilyn Marks, keep up the good work. Astounding story. I suspect we'll be speaking to you soon.
1: I hope so, Brad. Thank you again.
0: Thank you. Okay, I I'm I'm hoping that was clear because there was two big points there. Uh, One is the fact that they're not making these software upgrades until 2025 on because it's too hard, too hard, too expensive, too many machines. Uh, That's one uh, extraordinary issue, and then the other one, and I know this is sort of in the weeds, but I think it's important. uh, Was it clear? Does that the attorney who serves as the attorney for Coffee County essentially told. a plaintiff how to sue the yeah, county. Yeah,
2: it sounds like you're, what what happened uh, was the Coffee County lawyer told a GOP Republican operative, yeah. hey, I need you to sue me, and here's what I need you to say right. in order for us to be able to then...
0: Right. De- well, to defend against it somehow, but he didn't even apparently, as I understand it, did not even tell... The Coffee County Election Commission he, when they were yeah. sued, that they were sued and that they were apparently sued with his help. Wow. I mean, that seems like disbarment territory to me. I don't know. I'm not an attorney. I don't know anything about anything. But boy, uh, yeah, I hope there will be more reporting on that. Indeed. All right. Let's take a quick break. And we're back with Desi Doyne and the Green News Report right here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Here at the Bradcast and Bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by Bradblog.com slash donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like, or even just a one-time-only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by Bradblog.com donate right now. Go ahead, do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Uh, We've been running in quicksand, it's, it feels like, all week here on the broadcast. We had our, our Green News report, which we had hoped to run yesterday, yes. and then <laughs> Donald Trump, the uh, the jury came back earlier than expected in the Jean uh, Carroll, the trial. Carroll uh, yeah. trial in New York, finding that uh, Trump was liable for having sexually abused her and defamed her. So we had to kick the Green News report down the road to today. And then I was worried we weren't going to get to it at all because... (laughs)
2: Because then this happened with George Santos. George Santos,
0: Santos and that uh, Republican crime wave continues. The Republican
2: crime wave continues and gets deeper and broader. It's crazy.
0: Every day. So, we are a day late, but yeah, we're also a dollar short. Nonetheless, (laughs) let's get to it. Our latest Green News report.
2: Every time the alert comes on, we're on the alert. You want to look, and yet you're scared to look because they might say it's your town that's actually on fire early intense wildfire outbreak pushes alberta canada into state of emergency Study concludes Spain's record-shattering extreme heat impossible without climate change. Plus, offshore wind farms are far less dangerous to birds than previously thought. Study
0: finds... Lies, lies in that study. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment
1: freedoms they're under attack they feel it every day they see it when they watch
2: the news whether it's your light bulbs your toilet flushers your shower
1: heads your gas stoves or this week your washing machines
0: well thank you for that list of things that nobody is taking away from anyone senator Marsha blackburn you loon this is your green news report Okay, Desi Doyne, you never report on all of the things that are being taken away from people. Why is that? (laughs)
2: You mean I don't report on all the things that aren't happening? You don't report
0: on imaginary things. That is correct. (laughs) True. What do you got for us today that isn't imaginary?
2: Well, first, very tragic news. In the Democratic Republic of Congo, over 400 people were killed and entire villages swept away after torrential rains triggered catastrophic flooding. U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres called it, quote, "...yet another illustration of accelerating climate change and its disastrous impact on countries that have done nothing to contribute to global warming." Meanwhile, early extreme summer heat is striking across the northern hemisphere. The unseasonable heat and windy conditions have already unleashed an early and intense wildfire season in Alberta, Canada, where a provincial state of emergency was declared over the weekend. Fire crews are battling more than 110 active fires in the province, 31 classified as out of control, as Alberta Wildfire spokesperson Christy Tucker explained.
1: That's significantly more wild fire activity uh, for this time of year than we've certainly seen anytime in the recent past it's going to get hotter it's going to get windier and we're expecting some extreme wildfire behavior
2: alberta is a major tar sands oil producer and the fires have forced companies to shut down production but so far oil facilities do not appear to be in immediate danger oh
0: well thank god Uh, you know i can't help but note the irony Year after year, as we see these fires in Alberta, Canada, tar sands, oil country, as you point out, causing the very conditions that are destroying them.
2: And a recent study in British Columbia found that even short-term exposure to wildfire smoke increases the occurrence of heart attacks and respiratory issues.
0: Well, keep digging that Dirty, deadly tar sands oil.
2: In Southeast Asia, an astonishingly persistent month long heat wave actually intensified over the weekend. One weather historian called it, quote, the longest tropical record heat event the world has experienced. Over the weekend, Vietnam hit a new all time high national record of 111 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. Laos and Thailand's capital of Bangkok also hit new all time highs. And it's only May. The extreme heat heat has been compounded by intense smog that has intensified pollution levels a 2022 study determined that dangerous heat waves which are defined as hotter than 103 degrees fahrenheit will hit three to ten times more frequently by the end of this century due to man-made climate change In Europe, recent record-breaking April temperatures in Spain, Portugal, Algeria, and Morocco would have been, quote, almost impossible in the absence of man-made global warming. That's according to a new rapid response analysis by an international team of scientists at the World Weather Attribution Network, who also calculated that the extreme heat in Spain was made 100 times more likely by human-caused climate change. All four countries are grappling with a multi-year drought that is exacerbated by the high temperatures. The researchers also concluded that extreme heat in Europe is rising faster than computer climate models had projected.
0: So no more rain in Spain, mainly on the plain or otherwise.
2: True. Finally, a new study shows that offshore wind farms are much less dangerous to birds than previously thought and are not a major contributor to bird mortality. The two-year study used radar and cameras to create a three-dimensional image of birds' flight patterns at a wind installation in the UK's North Sea. No collisions were recorded between birds and wind turbines, and in fact, the study found seabirds of all species adapted to deliberately avoid offshore wind turbine rotor blades. The researchers hope the results will enable them to predict and address collision risks more accurately in the future and simplify the wind farm permitting process.
0: Lies, it's all lies. We all know that the wind turbines kill all the birds. Let's just go with that. <laughs> For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planetwide on the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman, and I'm Desi Doyne. and this has been your Green News Report. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye. I'm gonna miss you so
0: yeah. Bye. You know... Bye. Uh, I don't know what uh, Donald Trump is going to do now Because he likes to claim He likes to pretend he's against offshore wind farms Because he's such an environmentalist He's sad that <laughs> it kills all of these birds I don't know what he's going to do now Now he's going to have to just lie or something About these what? wind turbines
2: Donald Trump lying about wind turbines?
0: I know It's wind- crazy, uh, it's crazy. I'm, I'm sure he would never do that Alright, <laughs> we have to get out Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer Thanks also to our guest today, Marilyn Martin of the Coalition for Good, of Good Governance and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. We hope we've made it worth your while. If you missed any portion of today's program or you want to share it with someone you know, love, or hate, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. That is made possible by those of you kind enough and thoughtful enough to hit one of those donate buttons when you stop by or just go straight to bradblog.com slash donate. We are on the air on your public airwaves only thanks to your support. So thank you for that. Drop me an email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com On the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Mastodons, you will find me at the Bradblog, and you will find Desi at at Green News Report.
2: Yes, on both Twitter and Mastodon, so please come visit me and say hi. And Facebook. And Facebook. There yes. you
0: go. All right, that's it. We'll see you there until we see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck world. No
2: more